So welcome to the internet. Uh, you're just now joining us. We have our panel of Jeremy and Duncan. Um, Jeremy, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and what you want to get out of the podcast or um, what you think you can bring to the podcast? Uh, yeah, my name is Jeremy Greider. I'm the CEO of Cart Consultant, which is a uh, big commerce focused uh, e-commerce uh, design and integration firm. And basically, um, what I think I bring to the table is just a little bit different view, I think, on technology. I'm not a more technical guy. I would say I lean to being more along the sell side, but I am technical enough that I can make my way around. But I think, you know, just like anything else, it's always nice to have somebody that's learning some of what you're talking about as well and kind of bringing their own fresh perspective to, you know, the, the, the conversation. Yeah, definitely. No, that's um, how I, I was seeing it as well. Like, you're going to have that enough technical know-how to keep up with the conversation, but you're going to have questions that either our audience might have or it's going to make us think of things in a different way. And plus, I got a lot of really cool tattoos that I just noticed you <laughs> can see on this uh, this position of the, the, the camera. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Duncan, how about you? What... um. What are you looking to get out of Welcome sure. to the Internet? Yeah, so I basically, I mean, I kind of think of myself like an open source uh, enthusiast. I really, um, I really believe in uh, free software and open source and collaborating on things. I, I feel like, you know, with enough eyeballs, any bug or any problem becomes insignificant. Um, I feel like I'm able to provide kind of... Uh, technical insights on some things. Um, not on everything, obviously. I don't know everything, but I know a lot about uh, Linux and Mac and Windows operating systems, basically all the way down to the fundamental level. Um, what else? I'm not really sure what else I can uh, I, I bring to the table. Um, I've just been That's around good. the Internet a long time. I know, you know I've seen a lot of... Uh, a lot of things come and go. I like to uh, comment on the state of uh, modern design and what you know. Some things that I things that I think are good and things that I think are bad. Um, and I think there's always room to improve on on anything, no matter what it is. You know, nothing is ever perfect, so there's always room to improve on anything. As long as you're, you know, open and, and receptive of that, then. The sky is the limit for whatever you want to build. It goes back to collaboration. With enough eyes, any bug becomes insignificant. No, definitely. Yeah, but I hope to. Yep. Yeah, no, go ahead. I think that also kind of comes back to, you know, just different perspectives. I think all of us have a little bit different perspective from the other one. So. Definitely. No, that's uh, yeah, something definitely. that um, I just want to even call out myself that if you're interested in joining this podcast, we're open to guests or even new panelists to um, bring their own perspectives <laughs> to the table. Um, and that's really my goal with the podcast is to not only um, share those perspectives, but um, either like educate or um, just help people think of things in different ways. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you disagree with everything we're saying, come on and join us so we yeah, can exactly. talk about it, why you disagree <laughs> yeah. and try to learn from, from your experiences, you know? Yeah, and, like, I, I will have considered this a failed podcast if there aren't dissenting opinions, if there aren't um, differing opinions coming in to say, hey, like, but what about this? And we're definitely going to be leaving things out. So um, be sure to comment or uh, leave a review, what have you. I will leave a review. <laughs> what do you think about the topic of technology and elections and like, I don't know. There, there's, I think there's something there. I'm just trying to think of how to put it. You mean how lacking our electric yeah. technology is? Yeah, that, that, I think that's what's the impressive thing. <laughs> We're still How little of it ballots. we actually have? <laughs> yeah. It's like, and even the mail-in ballots we're struggling with. <laughs> like, we're going to land a dolphin on the moon before we get <laughs> the election. The yeah. election's figured out. 
You know, actually, I watched a fucking, I watched uh, a talk from uh, uh, Chaos Communication Congress on voting, and it was fucking enlightening. Like, it literally was so enlightening. Um, The, hold on one second. Uh, and then on the flip side, we have like dip your th- your thumb in paint, and that's like more, uh, what is it, like more accurate? It seems like with a lot of elections. So, so the the talk that I was watching on the Chaos Communication Congress was talking about an election in uh, I think it was Norway or uh, Finland. It was in one of the Icelandic countries. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't remember what they were doing an election for, but he talked about having to roll out the voting system and having, you know, everyone was going to be voting like at the same time, basically. Everyone's going to be using the system at the same time, and he had to make sure that this shit was secure, and he had to make sure that this shit was not going to go down. And they talked a lot about the challenges of building this infrastructure and how to make a, a secure voting mechanism. And I don't remember exactly how it worked there, but they had something... Um, probably pretty similar to like a social security number here in the U.S., but they mm-hmm. use that as kind of like the basis for the, the registration process, I guess, if you will. Um, I'm not like an expert on their election system, obviously, but it was a very enlightening talk to, to see what is possible with the technology that we have now to see how differently that same situation, you know, that same type of voting situation is handled in, in the U.S. Um, it, it really is astounding to me that we don't use basically any technology really um you know like for example uh my ballot i i fill it in with you know a pencil and it's using an optical you know recognition system to check my vote basically you know that's no more complex than a, you know a scantron test that's been yeah. taken since like the, the 80s right so the the fact that like you still even need paper ballots to me <laughs> kind of is is it's a hard thing because you have a lot of people that are just never going to be like oh no i don't ever trust the computer i don't ever trust the computer right so it's it's hard to yeah. convince those types of people that it's more secure that it actually is better than a paper ballot right because i think that that is a possible now is anything perfect no nothing is perfect but if you design a system you know intelligently it is possible to do it with very, you know, you, I don't remember what they had, but they had some type of system in place to make sure that there was no manipulation going on, right? They had some way to, to, to check the validity like of each of the votes, right? Just a quick um, history lesson. Back in the day, they used to send a guy on a horse to Washington, D.C. and say, no, this is the guy we voted for. No, just trust us. Don't listen to these other people. This is who we voted for. So it, it doesn't seem like too much of a progression from that. <laughs> well, and then we had the whole electoral college to begin with, but I guess that's kind of a different topic. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, to, to me, like, I get that people want to be able to see, like, some sort of receipt, you know, or something sure. of what, what they voted. But even that can be digital, you know? Yeah. It can be digital and just make it where they can print it up. But, yeah, like, I mean, how hard is it to, I I don't know, it just seems like everything should be digital by now. Or if you just make literally fucking everything public, then what is there to hide, right? Like, if you're like, oh... But then you have the problem of like, oh, you find out who people actually voted voted for, for. so that becomes a security issue. Um, That's where that whole problem comes down to, basically, Uh, for me. You know, it's, yes, people want to be able to have proof that their vote vote counted, but at the same time, if you allow that, then people are going to try to uh, abuse it. You know what I mean? People are going to try to see how other people voted. So you have to make sure that it's only accessible to the person who cast that vote right that's uh, and it's not impossible it's definitely doable on a technical level um i just my major question in this in this election is not is biden taking money from china or is trump using the russians it is really this 
Berman Supreme. Why is he not on the ticket? It's 2020. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. <laughs> and, Where is Berman? We demand Berman. Berman should be on the ticket with a boot <laughs> on his head. He should have been in every one of those debates. And I just think it is appalling. And so I think I've I been, like, out of the news cycle. Berman I don't know Supreme. who this is. Who's Berman so, Supreme? Okay, look up, look up Berman Supreme. Okay. I don't know if you could share it, and I'm sure like, you can go, you can go back and sh- show it. But uh, yeah, he's run for president like for the last like I don't even know how many election cycles now. At least the last four. I've never heard of him. Oh my god! Look it up and then share the screen so everybody can see. Yeah. Oh wait a minute! <laughs> Hold on, I'll share it. Uh... The the man has a massive Rumpelstiltskin's yeah. beard with a, and wears a boot on his damn head. Yep. Now you got to look at the Google images for that, though. Okay. It, this okay. guy, this guy is a trip, man. They make him look good there. Oh, okay. oh my god. Yeah. Oh, he's got a boot like, on his head. He wears a rubber like, boot yeah. on his head. Who was that guy who ran in a? Uh... UK. Uh, anyone? It was like Sir something. I don't know. Uh, hold on, I'll find. They have it. like whole fake political parties over there. <laughs> it's like it's almost like the same. He had like a he like wore a costume. It's like Buckethead, but for politics in the UK. Yeah. Well, I I, I honestly Lord think... Buckethead. Wait, no, that's an actual satire. There's something. Yeah, like Bucket, that anyway. Buck, Bucket Buckethead is a uh, guitar player. Yeah, there's. Wait, no, Lord Buckethead did run for UK elections. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah uh, it's like their you version. Know how, <laughs> you know, uh, when Guns N' Roses had a kind of hiatus from the real band members and kind of brought on like uh, uh, a bunch of like famous guitarists and stuff. Buckethead was one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Buckethead's legit. I, I was just, this guy took his name or something. Yeah. Buckethead probably took his name from that guy. Depending on when that happened. Maybe. No, you might be right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe this happened in uh, 19... 19- 1987 is what it's saying. Yeah, Buckethead, the the guitarist, has been around a while. This, yeah, the original. There was a uh, Lord Buckethead was created by American filmmaker Todd Durham for his 1984 film Hyperspace. Oh, okay. So that's kind of where this guy got his name from. I'm guessing it might not okay. be. Anyway, we're getting way off topic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, if a guitar ran for president, I would uh, vote for it. Yeah, I mean... Give me something to vote for this year. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I I don't care who you are. I don't see how anybody could be 100% happy this year with their choices. I I think South Park nailed it. Oh, yeah, they did have a satire, didn't they? It's it's always between a giant douche and a turd sandwich. Those are always your choices. That's yeah, it. That's Doesn't matter true. who's it. You always get the giant douche or the turd sandwich. It's like which one Pretty do you sure. want? Yeah, no, it's Yeah, I'll, I'll digress. I digress. Oh, do you really? <laughs> do you really digress? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I vote for the monster mash. That's who I vote for. Monster mash wins oh. every year. Monster Mash. Oh, dude, I'm telling you. Now, where where I'm really concerned is not the technology necessarily, but it's after the election how people re- will react to it. Yeah. No, it's going to be a shit show the next few days. Yeah. Oh, that was bad. Sorry. I'm like, I, I, just, I just want to have a I, – I will be so proud of America if we keep our shit together over the next week. <laughs> yeah, no words. I, I will be. I would. I would be pleasantly surprised if there the is not absolute riots everywhere, regardless, regardless yeah. of who they vote in. Yeah. 
Yeah, I expect Each. a shit show either way. <laughs> um, so I I thought of a topic. Um, what did you guys see for Halloween? I didn't do much, so. <laughs> I did nothing. I didn't even know people were doing the socially distanced thing. Like, no one told me. <laughs> so, I didn't know this, but I didn't know this was going to happen, but my block in Leander, uh, which is it's a suburb of uh, Austin, is right like the it's the block that everybody comes to from the whole area right? oh wow well. so, candy block so yeah candy block like every, <laughs> everybody always has big displays outside on halloween christmas and fourth of july nice. and the so everybody comes here well this year they still came i was like no what? go back go back like, and i i mean i literally went out and uh we went trick-or-treating, but it was interesting. Almost everybody had some sort of way of distancing themselves or packaging it to make it a little safer. And I think, you know, wearing your mask, maybe doing a couple of things like that, I think that's, you know, all right. I mean, I, I think you have a reasonable expectation that you'll be okay, but, you know, still, uh, you know. we But we went out, believe it or not, on Halloween, on, on uh, Crazy 2020 Halloween. <laughs> nice. I didn't even dress up. I was just scared. <laughs> Somebody scared told of people. COVID this year. Scared of the Rona. Scared of the Rona. Um, I I know you've told me this. Um, how old are your kids? Or you have one kid, right, Jeremy? No, I, I've got I've got four kids. I've got. Oh uh, God, I was wrong. Yeah, I've got an I got an eight year old boy. I got an eleven year old girl and a fifteen year old girl. And then I've got a 17-year-old boy that's going to be graduating and going to college next year, believe it or not. <laughs> no, that's, uh, does he know where he's going yet? Or is it, um, what's I think he's narrowed, narrowed it down to UNT and UT is, is two choices that's, for now. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah, <how come? laughs> um, I just uh, – I I never had seen uh, I didn't even know there was a Matthew McConaughey Texas Chainsaw Massacre so I just spent the night watching that. Was it good? It it's a it's really campy like if you're in a campy scary that it's perfect for you. Um, uh-huh. Like at one point Renee Zellweger is like falling through a window and then the window's just gone. It's like they totally said screw it nobody's gonna notice that. But it was a it's like kind of funny but it's it's got like scary moments too. Yeah. I, I, it seems like I remember that, but it's it's been a minute. It's like ninety six. Yeah, yeah, it's been a minute since that one, but it's not the original. No, the, no. I I want to say the original. One of the original buildings for that they moved to Kingsland. No way. That's yeah, where uh, and you, my girlfriend's and, and family. I want to. I yeah. I, uh, and you can go and stay like in the, one of the buildings overnight for like yes. a certain like like an Airbnb. I'm like, oh hell no, no man! Thanks, yeah. Man, I am ha- a baby. Like anything's haunted, that is. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I don't even believe in that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like you're just asking things to haunt you <laughs> if you're like, oh no, it'll be fine. It's like that Geico commercial. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to running car. So when I went to college, I went to college at Southwestern Assembly's Guide University in Waxahachie, Texas. And Waxahachie is really known for like filming a lot of like movies and stuff in. Yeah. Yeah. And the Super Collider was there and it's just it's an interesting little town. And I used to walk around downtown because at night and stuff and just because it was pretty and it was quiet and like it was like kind of like th- a throwback to another day in time, right. you know, right. it was before everything was gentrified and it was really like, I don't know, it just had a, a I, I've always, vibe. yeah, I re- I've always loved like stuff that's really earthy and feels real, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I need that in my life and so. But I would be walking around down there and just get scared to death, man, because I'd hear like a little noise or something, you know. Yeah. But it was, 
but I mean, it, that place I'm telling you would be the perfect town for a great horror movie. Yeah, no, it sounds like old houses, you know, and like a classic, like an old Halloween, you know, right? Which yeah. to me, like Halloween to me is like the ultimate series of, yeah. of Halloween of uh, scary movies, or, or one yeah. of the ultimate. Yeah, yeah. There was a a year where like or like a Halloween October where I just like set up a whole bunch of movies like that because I was really sheltered growing up just mom would not let me watch anything like that so i was like 15 16 i like watched all of those like halloween nightmare on elm street uh original texas chainsaw and it was like it like some of them didn't hit as well as they would have if i was younger but like um halloween i like those three like really hit home it was like well one we're in texas so it's gonna yeah have a little bit of an effect um but yeah just uh the end of those movies, you just kind of sit there for a minute. And you're like, "Well, what did I just experience?" It was kind of similar with that other one, um, like just because Matthew McConaughey's the way he is, and he's just like going way above and beyond like stuff you even see him in now. He's just like beyond crazy. Um, just like I walked out and I was like, "Whoa, what's going on?" <laughs> yeah, I I uh, I don't know, man. Have you ever had a movie that shouldn't scare you and it did? That's you know what I felt with that one. I was like, why am I scared? <laughs> like, I I, uh, I watched a movie and it was about, like, I don't know if it was, like, Marfa County or something. I grew up out in West Texas and, man, there was yeah. a, there was a, a movie about aliens that they found and supposedly, you know, oh. all this stuff had happened and you know, there was a sighting, and it it was close to where I was watching the movie, close to where the actual Whoa. area yeah. was. I didn't sleep that night, dude. It scared <laughs> the living hell out of me, man. Yeah. But I, I mean, I was probably like thirteen, you know. But it, it scared the crap out of me, man. That was like me and Signs. Like Signs, I watched it later, and I was like, that was not nearly as scary. But because the dogs would start barking in that movie, and then the dogs would start barking outside, I was like. They're coming for me, like, right now. I don't know what to do. Um, I was, like, 12 or 13, too, though. Yeah. All right, and today we have our panel. First, I'd like to introduce you to Jeremy Greider. Jeremy, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing today, today Kyle? Doing well. We also have Steven, um, or you might know him better as Self-Hosted Pro on Reddit. Hey, how are you doing? And Duncan Yo-Yo1 known as Duncan Yo-Yo One across the internet. Yes, yes. Hello, hello. Hope everyone's doing good today. Um, I think the best way to kind of start this off would be some of the current news. Um, Duncan wasn't here when we originally started talking about Cyberpunk, but Cyberpunk has seen yet another delay. Um, and this isn't really focusing on uh, Cyberpunk being delayed, but more so delays in uh, either software releases or in this case, a video game release. But um, this is the third uh, delay. What do you think of... Um, in most cases, I'd say it's a good thing. Like, I'd rather a perfect product versus a broken product. But um, I think they're really starting to challenge um, gamers' patience in this case. Yeah, I mean, um, one thing said that I brought up when we were talking about this earlier was... Uh, you know, would people be as upset if they weren't as transparent with like the development process as they have been, you know, how they've been talking about what step of the way they're at every single, you know, time they advance, uh, releasing like insane amounts of demos, the amount of content that they've put out before the game has been released uh, with that uh, Night City Wire, you yeah. know, series that they've been doing. Um, so, I mean, I definitely see why people are upset about it, but at the same time, this happens to all kinds of games, and we never even hear about it. Hear about it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like you know what it kind of reminds me of is we were talking about Apple and Mac before, and it kind of reminds me of how they always did their, their research and development, and they would pop in and do a presentation. All of a sudden, they had all this technology, and sometimes they would have a few things they would let out, you know, but they were... You know, they were pretty top top secret about it up till the point that they were pretty much ready to go. 
Yeah, I kind of agree with that sentiment. I think the whole games Bit. industry really shouldn't even do like release dates per se. Like you should just put the games out when they're done. The distribution channels are established enough now to where you can have a game digital and you can literally have it in the store, you know, in a couple days or whatever. So I don't see any point to setting a hard date on release of a game, especially when you're going to, you know, by virtue of having that date, you're going to force your employees to work themselves harder and potentially, you know, burn themselves burn out. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that having a release date is kind of a double-edged sword. Like, yes, people want to know when they can expect to play a game, but I don't think they should really ever be released before they're done. I don't agree with the model that a lot of uh, modern games take where they put out a product on release day and it's, you know, it's half of a product. And then, you know, you have a day one patch or then a patch down the road and then eventually it becomes worthwhile, right? Like you shouldn't even have released that until it was, you know, done in a playable state. So I'm perfectly fine with them delaying as long as they need to, to make this game that much better. You know what I mean? Like it's only going to get better from what we've seen. So I'm okay with any type of delay, anything like that. I know a lot of people are mad about it, but realistically, these developers, you know, with the scope of what they're trying to create, they should have as much time as they need to create this. Yeah, but you have to look at it, too, from a standpoint of a business, you know? Yeah, no, I was thinking that, too. Business-wise, you have to set some dates and stuff. But how you pre-order money. Approach that and the, how limited you are with that really has to do, I think, a lot with whether you're a public or a private company too. So it kind True. of depends. And if we're talking specifically about you know CD Projekt Red, they're not going to go under um, by delaying this game a couple of months or whatever, right? right. Like right. they have plenty of other sources of revenue. They run you know GOG, which is an entire platform that they make you know revenue off of. So. In this specific instance, I don't think them delaying the game is going to hurt them financially in any degree, which is why they've chosen to delay it yet again. You know, the the people up at top have to know this, that as much as the people are going to be disappointed that it is going to create a better end product, right? And isn't that what it's about at the end of the day, is delivering yeah. a good product? Like, that's how CD Projekt Red is. I can't say that about every developer. You know, if you look at a lot of other developers, that's not you know their modus operandi per se but from from cd project red's history they have a history of you know developing and releasing fully fleshed games right from the beginning they're not the type of company to release something half-assed and then patch it down the road yeah, i hate that that's in any software in any Can software I, when people um, come out with, you know but that reminds me of nintendo that like nintendo's been really bad about that lately. not really bad but they Five, ten years ago, they would have said, no, we're going to, this is it. If we do anything else, it's going to be extra. And then now it's, I feel like DLC is required practically to like get a Nintendo game. Like it's just, it's completely flipped for them where it's, yeah, we made this game, but can you pay us $20 more and you'll get the real game? Mm -hmm. And what were you going to say about software in general though? That's kind of where I was going with it too. Yeah. Yeah. Software in general, I think it really, uh, you, you, if you, if you, to me, to me, if I was, if I own that type of a company, you know, understand, I don't, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a developer, so I don't speak the same language that you guys do necessarily, but from a business standpoint, I would certainly say if you want to incentivize quicker production, set goals that are also going to uh, be financially beneficial to your coders and they'll code faster, they'll get it done, they'll give you a better job, you know. That's how you do it. That's really how you do it in that type of business, I think. And if they're cash positive, I don't see why they couldn't, you know. Stuff like that will get the the product out faster, better, you know, the whole thing. Definitely. Um, We were kind of, this might be a good segue to something we were talking about earlier. Um, Adobe is very... um, just release driven, whereas like 10 years ago they had CS2, CS3, CS4. Now it's just creative cloud, get all the things, get all the updates. Like they just mm-hmm. pushed out Photoshop 2021 like yesterday. Um, really? I didn't yes, notice that. Literally yesterday. Because <laughs> um, yeah. I had just done an update and I was like, oh, I thought I updated Photoshop, but it's a whole new version now. Um, so go ahead. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say, um, you know, some of that is probably due to, um, you know, them getting a lot better with like uh, CI, CD type stuff where they actually have like a DevOps team. So they're able to continuously develop something, continuously deploy it. So they don't have to have like major release versions if they're pushing an update every week or two. You know, at least that's True. that's how it how development is moving in the future is you're going to have just continuous development, continuous releases. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And I think that ties a lot into uh, software as a service as opposed to what we've seen before with the release model schedule where you buy it and then you own that you know, forever. And then if you want to upgrade, you maybe pay a fee or whatever. I think part of the, the CICD thing ties into a, a lot of companies shifting to a you know, service-based model where you pay like a monthly fee or like a yearly fee for access to the service as well. Um, especially music. for things like like Photoshop where you're constantly, you know, iterating on what you already have and making it better and making improvements and stuff like that. So I definitely see it, but I think it is also a double-edged sword in that you truly never really own that software, right? right. Especially with the licensing that they have. You, you get to use it, but you don't truly ever own that software. So it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. You have a bad month and can't afford it. Well, too bad. <laughs> yeah, no longer. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh- that's yep. funny. Like, uh, it's funny we're talking about this because uh, Duncan, you can kind of attribute to these are very similar topics to things we talked about on predecessor podcasts that we had, where it was like, "Man, we're moving in this direction." I don't know if I like this <laughs> um, because you had like, um, like iTunes. You don't really own it, but like, it, you you felt like you owned it at least a little bit more than you do with um, Apple Music, um, and. And now we're seeing the same thing with just software in general. Spotify, yeah. the same way, you know. Yeah, definitely. You can download it, but the day you don't make your payment, you've lost. <laughs> so yeah, I I, that's why I stick to uh, always trying to have vinyl. I like the old. Yeah, shit. there you go. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think one of the reasons you see a lot of companies moving in this direction too is because with a subscription-based service, it's a lot easier to estimate your monthly revenue. You know, so you right, have true. all of these people who are in a monthly subscription who you know are going to pay you this amount, uh, you know, on this day. You have that continuously, uh, and you can look at like Confluence uh, as an example of like a yeah. major company that's letting you host your your product on your own machine. Um, and, you know, it's really popular in a self-hosted community because it's only ten bucks for a license. You can host it on your machine up to ten users, uh, which is more than enough for most people. And now they're cloud. They're like, well, so what they did is last week they announced that they're going to stop supporting self-hosting. Um, you know, even for for enterprises and whatnot, and they're, they're going to force everyone to move to their cloud product. Um, yeah. They they gave a deadline of like four years. You know. So you got okay, time, that's not so bad. Still, I just saw uh, the headline. <laughs> yeah. just, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So that's, uh, it, that's interesting because uh, Big Commerce uh, actually came from Interspire originally, which was a uh, not a uh, SaaS product, right? Um, and they literally, I believe, had a uh, like email marketing. Yeah, email marketing program that literally just, I think, sold out or something. I don't know if they sold out or what happened, but they're no right. longer under big commerce like two years ago, maybe. So, oh, uh, but it was still going. Part. Yeah. Yeah. And, and nowadays, you know, I just can't even imagine like one of the things that I think is like a, a, a sin against humanity is QuickBooks. You know, why is QuickBooks not always online? Why is that not always accessible online? Yeah, Enterprise yeah. could be like this badass, like wonderland of and just uh, of cruising like, down. Yeah, of like financial glory. You know, but right? Exactly. No, they've got to make you put it on your machines. You know, and then they they have the online version. Yeah. Do you want the like, SaaS app? We'll pay. Really, we'll charge you more. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have to put it on your computer or your servers. You know, it's just yeah. ridiculous. I, I I think that too. Connect to other servers because of it. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, no worries. Um, yeah, Qu- QuickBooks, like the, the main problem with it is it, it's hard to integrate with other stuff unless you go with their cloud version. 
you know, so I think that was my main like selling point. Because uh, I know the local version, I was doing like a, an e-commerce project a couple months back, uh, and we had to get like a proprietary like WordPress add-on to even be able to sync our QuickBooks inventory oh. with store inventory, and that's on WordPress, which is like open yeah. source GPL license. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I've noticed a really large gap in the industry between um, inventory control systems, right? Like there's no really good way to keep track of an inventory if you have an online store other than to physically like go and verify each thing. I haven't seen any type of integrated service with like a scanner where you can just barcode everything. There is. Like, there you know. is. There's stuff like Skewbonic, Skewvault. <laughs> Uh, I think Lenworks even may yeah. do it. It's expensive, really? though. On that, yeah. on that note, it's, it's like a thousand a month. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> Nothing um, cheap. Yeah, I think he means more like just like out of the box, like affordable, out of the box. Yeah. Yeah. So, action. Um, so, what um, operating systems are you guys running at home right now? I use uh, Apple and uh, so OS and Mac uh, and uh, Mac OS and I use Windows devices. So. Nice. Um, I'm using uh, at least for my desktop. I'm using Manjaro, and then for my server stacks, I'm using uh, Proxmox for the hypervisor, and then I'm using uh, Open Media Vault for like my NAS OS. Everything else just runs. Debian. Nice. So for me, I mean, I run basically a mix of everything. Um, my desktop machine is a Arch machine, but I also have Mac OS machines um, and window machine, Windows machines around just for testing in those particular apps that don't either run under Wine or don't run well uh, in a VM. Um, mostly like uh, flashing stuff for embedded devices and things like that that are really picky about being in a VM when they like connect and disconnect from the USB controller. Um, that's mostly why I keep Windows machines around. Um, honestly, to me, Windows on the desktop is like if you're gaming, then yeah, you probably run Windows. But like if you're doing other stuff, you probably don't or at the very least use, you know, a VM or Windows subsystem for Linux or something like that to do your actual work. No, it's a yeah, kind of similar fine. boat. Go ahead. No, I was, uh, you you go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm kind of in a similar boat as far as um, just kind of a mix of everything. Like, this is running Windows 10. I've got an Arch VM on it. Uh, I had a Manjaro on the SSD, but it wasn't, it broke. Long story. Uh, I've got a Mac OS over here, but... Um, out of all of them, I would say Linux has been the most, like, like ten, five, yeah, even five years ago, Linux would not have been my first choice, but it's been my first choice recently as of late. Um, just because Windows just, there's all these updates all the time, and it's always breaking. Not really breaking, but just minor annoyances that I don't really deal with on Linux. Mac OS was decent until we had this Catalina update, but that's my, my own problems. <laughs> I mean, to me, Mac OS kind of shot itself in the foot when it stopped supporting 32-bit stuff, because I still have 32-bit Mac apps that I like to use from time to time. Do you have any so examples? I'm, I'm like, curious. Um, I would have to open up my Mac to see. I don't know off the top of my hand, but I, there's a few apps that I have that are 32-bit only at the moment. Gotcha. No worries. I was just curious. if my my I quit using Windows like probably 10 years ago, and I haven't went back. I've been primarily an Apple guy. Uh, I, I do use Windows for some of my kids' computers. That's why I say we use Windows for, uh, as well. But I'd really like to take all their computers and turn them into Ubuntu com computers because, to me, I, I, and I was telling you all about this a little bit earlier, uh, uh, when I work with uh, my business partner, before I worked for him for his other company, and uh, he had a tech company as well, and we kept having, you know, these little ladies and stuff calling in, hey, are my computer's infected. They're bringing in. The thing wouldn't work right. So we'd just see if they'd let us put them on Ubuntu, and they'd pretty much never come back after that because 
you know, they were taken care of. But did it make more business for us? No. Did it make sense for them? Yes. It probably saved them a ton of money and headache, you know, and they didn't really care. But it's a really good, great system for that. And I think if they ever start developing software like Adobe for it, watch out, Mac. I mean, just watch out. And yeah, Stephen had a great I, I definitely point. agree. Well, like Stephen had a great two... point as far as oh, – sorry, go ahead, Keenan. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. I was just uh, going to say that Ubuntu is really good as a like a general purpose desktop operating system. Now they've, you know, Ubuntu and the and the GNOME team, or GNOME team, however you want to pronounce it, um, has worked you know. very hard to make it a very good general purpose operating system. But they're also kind of falling into some of the same traps, traps. that Apple does yeah. in in like not allowing people to change things. Right? Like all of Unity. the stuff is very you know it has to basically be done their way or just don't do it um and like in a in a you know in a vacuum by itself it's fine but when stuff from their project starts literally interfering with other desktop you know uh desktop environments in the linux ecosystem then i start to take a little bit of issue with it see Um, this is what differentiates me, a regular nerd from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, you're, you're not wrong. It, you know, you got to do stuff with it. I'm like, man, just give me the stuff that doesn't break real easy, and I'm good, yeah. man. If I can use my Adobe and stuff, I'm good, you know. So the now, thing I'm not that... worried about the audio because it's Linux. I just use the <laughs> right, man. <laughs> yeah. No, you bunch well, of I broke... think there was an alternative to it. That's kind of what, what I was thinking, you know. And... And, True. you know, that's sad if that's the truth. I haven't really used Ubuntu recently, but, man, it, if they go down that path, I could see that being a problem for them as well. So The thing that yeah. broke and- Ubuntu for me was, like, the sidebar. They, like, forced the sidebar on you. You can't remove it. You could probably, like, really tinker with the underpinnings of it. Like, I, I found some things online. This the is, like, 2012. basically their whole desktop environment. Like, if you don't yeah. want to use App or you shouldn't even be using GNOME, yeah, basically. Well, no- yeah, no, exactly. Like, no, that, that's kind of where I got to. I was like, maybe I'm just kind of beyond that point at this point in my life. Um, and, like, yeah. I, my, I did the same thing with my grandma. She She's on Ubuntu and loves it, so it's a me problem. <laughs> right, like I said, it's a great de- general-purpose desktop right. operating system. Like, if you give it to a layperson who doesn't know computers, GNOME is fantastic. They can navigate. They can get by. You know, everything is clearly laid out. It's very easy to use. I have no qualms with it as far as usability goes. They do a really good job at making it very usable uh, for the end user. You know, most of my qualms with GNOME are on a more technical level, and some of their design philosophies I don't really agree with. Um, But as a general-purpose desktop environment, I think it's probably the best one um, especially for people who aren't tech savvy and don't want to tinker with stuff, right? Like if, if you just want to use it and forget about it, that's probably the desktop environment you want to be on because stuff generally isn't going to change a bunch between new releases, right? Like they might release a new version, but your desktop isn't going to be radically different. They don't, they don't go changing defaults like other environments. Yeah, I was going to say, so for, for my desktop environment that I typically use, um, if I'm just setting up a computer for general use for me to do work on. I'm, I'm going with uh, KDE pretty much consistently. Nice. Uh, yeah. I find it's like it. If if you're moving from a mainstream operating system, I find GNOME is a lot more like Mac OS, where you have like a dock type thing, mm-hmm. the sidebar, yeah. but it's essentially the same concept. Uh, KDE is a lot more like Windows. When you first boot it up, you've got a yes. start menu, you've got a taskbar, uh, and everything like that. And it's laid yeah. out in a very similar way. So, and it's really easy to install because you got Kubuntu, you know, for for the layperson. So, if you're familiar enough to install Ubuntu on your machine, Kubuntu, you can throw it on, and you can even rice it out if you want to. There's a whole oh, sure. uh, subreddit dedicated to just ricing out oh, yeah. desktops. See, I, I run KDE in my desktop <laughs> environment. Um, that's that's generally what I run, and the main reason that I run KDE is because they have the best compositor on Linux, period. If you disagree with me, you're wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> but KWIN is the best compositor, period. Like, it, it is fucking amazing. Um, Does Plasma I don't know how it that? is necessarily on other graphics cards, but with my, with my NVIDIA card and with, you know, uh, Force Composition uh, 
pipeline turned on, I get no tearing whatsoever. I get awesome, like locked to my refresh rate frame rates. Um, it's beautiful. Like it runs so freaking good compared to other compositors, even ones that are, I would consider pretty good. Right. Um, I'm not sure what GNOME use. I think it's called GWIN or something. I don't yeah, like their right. compositor. I don't find it to be very good. I find that it does sometimes behave a little bit funky, um, especially if you have like mul- like mixed refresh rate panels and stuff like that. It really just kind of falls apart. Um, KWIN seems to handle that a lot better than uh, the GNOME compositor does. And then if you compare it against like something like Compton, um, KWIN is still better because when they're doing like their blur effect, they're using um, the dual Kawase blur method, which is a kind of a weird blur method. But basically it just takes a picture, scales it down really far, and then scales it way back up. And that's how they make like they a, a natural Photoshop blur. Compton, I prefer uh, Ice Cube in NWS. Uh, <laughs> so is a compositor. Um, there's a fork uh, of it called Compton Try One that uses that same blur method that KDE uses. But KWIN is still better because when it's sampling what's behind it, it doesn't sample just what's behind it. It also adds like a buffer to it. So if you have a window near the edge of your screen, you don't get that black uh, edging that appears when you're using something like Compton, um, which you don't rice I3. If you don't use I3, um, you probably won't know what Compton is, but it's a most compositor for like I3 and other tiling window managers. Um it's easier to explain this with pictures. He's explained this to me before, and like I was like, "Oh, whoa! I'm glad I'm using this and not that." Um, it's actually like uh, called Pycom. Try one. It's the fork because uh, it's Is Pycom's it? new okay. version of Compton. Uh, but oh. yeah, the the thing that really irked me and why I can't use GNOME for like day to day desktop use uh, is they don't have an option to blur things at all in their compositor. Yeah. So so, um, so boring. But this is probably a little bit. Uh, yeah, no, we're getting pretty getting into the weeds. <laughs> nah. on, 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 a, on another subject, do y'all are y'all aware what Ubuntu means? Oh, uh, heck, I don't remember. It's been like twenty it, years. I, because you are, it says. In fact, the word literally means it's a Zulu phrase Ubuntu. I'm not going to try to. It, which literally means a person is a person through other people. It's like a kind of a nebulous Community. concept. Kind of, Common humanity. It's kind yeah. of a cool, cool thing. No, like that's uh, Ubuntu. I would, I would never have learned about Linux without Ubuntu. At least, like, at least as early as I did. Um, I tried yeah. out some flavors, but it was like, I don't get this, and I'm breaking things. Uh, TIG is just like an, an alternative version to the Elk stuff, uh, where it's like uh, uh, Telegraph, uh, InfluxDB, and Grafana for like dashboards, essentially. Um, and TIG is more focused on like metrics, where you can see like um, between this period and this period, this is what like CPU usage was at, for an example. Um, whereas like Elk. Uh, it has a lot of uses, but like the the main way it differs is that's more for like ingestion of like um, documentation, like uh, or documents like log files and stuff like that. Um, to where like we have central logging set up in my company, where I just spun up an Elk stack um, via like Docker Compose. You have all of your uh, machines. You install what they call beats on, which are basically agents that ship logs and metrics and stuff like that to the stack. Um, and then you can pull info uh, from that. So if you have an issue where like, oh, a customer got to a site that's not supposed to be publicly available, you have all of your logs in one place where you can say, this is a time period I want to look at. These are the servers I want logs from uh, and kind of drill down from there. Um, it may be kind of heavy uh, yeah, I was for, just thinking that too. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe another, another. It can it can be very show. technical. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, I would like to move out, like in the country where they're and have good internet. 
Dude, I've been thinking the same thing. It's like, especially since COVID, like even, so we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere and I, I do have decent internet, but there's no way I'm ever going to get anything faster than the way I have now. Because we can, we can dive in from, from that, which I mean, like, I think that's a good goal for, for everyone to have, especially you're seeing a lot of companies in the Bay Area allowing their employees to move wherever they want uh, and just doing straight up remote work. So I think like... Yeah being able to live in the middle of nowhere and still have good internet so you can attend meetings uh, and do all of like the standard work you need to do on a day-to-day basis is just getting more and more important. Is, uh, is, especially now. is that, and I think this, hopefully this isn't really a political question, but too, too bad, but, uh, <laughs> no. but is that something that we should have as far as infrastructure? You know, Eisenhower brought along oh, the, yeah. A, a lot of the roads and stuff that we have should whatever the next president is start something that's you know i just saying that, like, that not necessarily doing yeah. it but encouraging that right yeah no. i think that the the thing they need to encourage is community-run broadband where you see there's yeah. there's a few different cities uh scattered across the u.s where they have community-run broadband, which is these are people from the community that are investing in, like, networking equipment and setting up links to people who may not be able to get Internet where they're at uh, or they're being charged an insane amount of money for it. Uh, And so what they're doing is they're they're building these networks up. They get, like, a fiber backbone at a data center, and they'll either pull fiber um, or they'll do microwave connections between houses because you can do like chain links um, that way. And so you can get feasibly good internet, uh, you know, in your community, if you're willing to invest in it. Um, I think we just need to see that encouraged. If you get something between the line of sight and the microwave receiver, will it blow up? Just that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was wondering that too. I was like, so this microwave... (laughs) The, like the just take a sheet of lead though because you have to understand you have to understand these are microwaves right so they are very high frequency radio waves so it, it would take a very heavy like metal object to block that radio wave right so like oh, okay. organic material for the most part isn't it might attenuate the signal to some degree but it's not going to be like a total block if a bird flies in front of it or something you might just get a little bit worse signal for that split second it's like a, a I have a palm signal. tree in front of mine, and right. it, it still gets good internet. And the palm tree is like five feet in front of it, and my ISP is like, like I said, like fourteen miles away in like downtown Vista, yeah. uh, and I'm still getting, I, I still have the capability to do two hundred up and down. Yeah, most like I said, most organic matter is going to contain enough water to where the signal is pretty much going to pass through mostly uninterfered. Um, like I said, there will be some some attenuation of the signal but i don't it's not significant enough to really be an issue that's how cell phones work it's basically just a different frequency um what do you think of uh space link like the uh oh the starlink stuff yeah starlink yeah i think that would be really good for people um who don't have access to good internet currently but i would still like to see more encouragement of you know community driven broadband and local uh, small ISPs because I, I think competition is sorely needed in the market. When you go to most areas right now, you know, go pick a house in a major city and see what your options are for internet. You probably have two, maybe three providers if you're lucky to choose from. And I think that's a shame. I think there needs to be more um, with how, how much technology has advanced to still have broadband, you know, that feels like we're, you know, in the nineties in some places doesn't mm-hmm. seem right to me, you know, especially in these more rural communities who probably arguably might need the internet more than cities in more wealthy environments, right? I just got a relevant yeah. link to this, actually. Yeah, definitely. Although, um, so, uh, so, fun story actually, about uh, uh, microwave. Uh, I used to work for a company uh, in, like, downtown San Diego that had, uh, they were a wireless ISP. They call them a WISP. Uh, so it was all, it was all microwave. We had one client that was just a little bit above the freeway. Like we did, you use Google Earth to make sure that you have line of sight from one of your pre-existing places. Um, and they, we have line of sight to them, 
but what the uh, the salespeople didn't think about was anytime a semi truck drove on the freeway, it was tall enough uh, and dense enough that it completely cut out internet uh, to that customer. So this was almost like this very frequently happening to the point where I I don't know if they're even still a customer of of that ISP, but I definitely wouldn't be. So th- there's there's some downfalls to it, but realistically. Um, it's it's a much better option than what a lot of people have. Uh, and the latency for microwave is insanely fast. Uh, yeah, way better where, than satellite. Where I'm at, it's better than cable. My dad uh, my dad has a house in like a highly populated city and he can ping Google in like 20, 30 milliseconds, whatnot. Uh, I'm out here in the country. Like I said, 14 miles away is where I'm getting internet from beamed to me. Uh, I can ping Google and I have like maybe eight seconds or eight, eight milliseconds. So, yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, I shared a link. Uh, we have a person over hearing our conversation. She wanted to share. Uh, I was actually a Bernie talking point was high speed internet for all. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. I, I feel like it doesn't necessarily have to be done like through right. tax and stuff. If it's done in a way that it's, you know, like Maybe incentivize businesses to roll out this fiber. No, that's I was thinking along the same lines too. Well, we we had incentivized these companies previously. We gave them a ton of money to build the infrastructure. I, okay, for I'm it. not talking AT and T or Verizon right. or any of these like uh, what's what yeah. Spectrum owned by? Whatever Spectrum's owned by. Um, Charter. Charter. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> not, not, I mean more like. Hey, you want to start a fiber business? Here's a hundred thousand dollars because it's really expensive to get started because like it's impossible to start one. Um, I think um, we have a mutual friend, Duncan and I, who like I think he's started doing some of that in Wyoming, um, but it's not cheap. <laughs> no, most of it's regulations too. You know, you have to pay That's so too. much in, in regulatory fees uh, <clears throat> to be allowed to offer internet service to customers and and you have to report you know all kinds of different things um it's it is a pretty big obstacle to overcome if you were just you know uh, someone wanting to start an isp as you know a business um it definitely takes a lot of capital to get started and also you know you're not going to recuperate that capital immediately it's going to be something that takes 20 years so yeah yeah, so I think that de-incentivizes a lot of uh, startup companies. You know, we I, we have seen a lot more in recent years than Google Fiber. You know, historically. Like, yeah. Um, but I still don't think it's enough. I still want to see more. Yeah. You know, more competition. Definitely. Yeah. So so yacht has been my quarantine project. Uh, I started looking at. It. I guess I I started working with it in like June. Um, I no development experience. Previous to that, I've done, like, some Python scripts, but this is my first, like, full-fledged application that I've dived into. Um, and it's been a really rewarding experience. Uh, I am I was initially really surprised at how many people were interested in it because uh, there's some other options out there right now, but they're really heavily focused on, like, the enterprise uh, spectrum of you know, managing Docker and whatnot. And I wanted something that, you know, just everyday people could use. Uh, and then I'll find a way to maybe monetize that product in a way that doesn't affect, you know, standard users where I can build a, a CMS on the back end, uh, provide a company with a panel where they can control, you know, a bunch of yacht instances and spin them up or spin them down and whatnot. Uh, and that way the main product can be free. And I'm not dealing with, you know, uh, having to figure out how to monetize an open source application and pissing people off on accident yeah, that's, by uh, like throwing ads or like charging a subscription, <laughs> but that's the hard thing. And it's like I want to do like mobile app for it. And uh, initially, I was thinking about charging for it, but at the same time, it's like I I should just go and like deal with the enterprises and trying to get money from them. Yeah, there's models out there. Day-to-day people have this easy-to-use, like, product, you know, that they, they don't have to worry about. It just works, and it, it's easy. The, the whole goal is trying to make 
Docker accessible to anyone. Um, speaking of which, I just got a Docker Compose support working in uh, Yay. the Compose tag on, uh, on Docker Hub. So if anyone nice. wants to check that out, uh, <laughs> go for it. And we will have links in the show notes. <laughs> you have a long board, and like it's all—it's got sand on it, and you like try to knock each other's. It's like uh, they play in the Olympics. Shuffleboard, yeah. Yeah, it kind of sounds. Shuffleboard is is a bar game, right? But like Probably. it can well, be, right? Right. Boom. But like I was wondering, like, <laughs> like like that, like that. That this game since or not this game, but like that game that you were talking about, it's kind of a bruh game. You know, it's kind of a uh-huh. like like croquet, right? It's yeah. Like, or polo. It's like come polo, on, yeah. Man. Hey, let's go down and play polo on our horses. <laughs> come on, dude. My horse is too sick to play polo today. <laughs> it's sorry, guys. Don't, can't play polo, got a sick horse. What kind of horse is it? What horse is it? Evelyn's sick it's today, a, so a, we can play croquet instead. Horse. It's a pimento horse. It's your horse's cheese? No, I mean a palamento. Sorry, sorry. Uh, um, we definitely have enough for, like, the first part, and then we can make the second part, like, the ending part, maybe. And then we'll use the guest part in the middle. Okay. So what topics do we want to end off on? Like, <clears throat> you guys see that I don't know. With the iPhone 12 camera? No. No? Tell us about it. Oh, they're like serialized. You can't switch them out to. Oh, yeah. Phones. If you fuck your camera, Apple's the only one that can fix it. Like even retailers can't fix it. Like you you buy two party. brand new iPhone 12s, swap just the cameras, and it's like, nah, bro, camera's fucking broken. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, like, somebody... That's modern had, Apple. Someone in the comments was like, no, this is good for, like, stealing iPhones, like, to deal with theft in a way, and I was like, maybe some ways, but, like, what if... Uh, yeah, no, like, your phone's, like, that expensive... And that's the only reason it's getting stolen. Trust me, the, the people in China that are taking these stolen iPhones are fully capable of taking the NAND off that board and just reflashing it with whatever fucking info they want, right? Like, I think that's I don't know. what someone said. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Very skeptical. Uh, what do you think what do you... of... Go ahead. I, I, so America's never really had a really great I, uh, like phone of their own, like something that they make. It's always been Chinese phones, you know, like all the iPhones are oh, yeah. Chinese. Yeah, you can't, and, you can't produce electronics like that in America at a reasonable price. So here, here's kind of my question. You know, I think certainly regardless of who the president is, <laughs> uh, there is some injury to the relationship with China, and we yeah. can't possibly continue to go down that road in every way we have to have some backups you know and yeah i I have heard it said that vietnam is the next uh you know major producer for us uh just because of their capabilities as as far as that taiwan taiwan okay put all your money on taiwan (laughs) that's where everyone's moving everyone who wants to leave china they're going to taiwan and then you have companies like tsmc who is like literally the largest the largest like semiconductor manufacturer on earth, period. Like they make uh-huh. more fucking shit than anyone. And they're in TSMC. The T is Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. TSMC. Yeah. Is so, that like, where well, Nvidia is? Say what? Uh, uh, is that it, where Nvidia is making their chips? That's where Nvidia makes their chips. That's where Intel That's makes not. their chips. That's who makes AMD's chips. That's who makes oh, wow. Apple's chips. Oh, wow. They make like fucking everything. It's them and Global Foundries is basically who makes basically everything. Like if you're making a processor or some type of SOC, um, and it's it's we're talking like high performance stuff, like big processors and stuff like desktop class processors or like modern high end smartphone processors that are using really small manufacturing processes like you know seven nanometer and fucking five nanometer. That's all going to be either TSMC Fab or Global Foundry. 
And I don't even think global founders can go down to like five or seven nanometers yet. I still think they're at like 10. Um, but I could totally be wrong. I haven't checked recently. But you haven't yeah. got your nan- a lot of nano- companies. Nanometer uh, ruler out to check. No. <laughs> you How small is that? That's pretty small. Yeah, throw that. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of the companies that have been trying to, you know, get out of China have been moving to Taiwan, have been moving a lot of their uh, manufacturing to Taiwan because the pricing, the price of raw materials, the price of labor, it's very competitive to Yeah, China. but isn't Taiwan just basically China light? It, kind that's of, what I was yeah. Thinking. Yeah, like China, where people don't hate China, China, you know, <laughs> or hate them, hate them where they live, China. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how it works. I think it is its cool. own up in the air thing, but I'm not. I don't know. Yeah. Certainly, I think. I think yeah. Sorry. I, Sorry, I, 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 I certainly wonder, though, I, I do think that, you know, places like Indonesia, Vietnam, for manufacturing, maybe not technological manufacturing as much, but I, I know, for instance, Indonesia is really good at building guitars. Uh, South Korea right. as well. Uh, South Korea it seems to have a pretty good knack for vehicles, vehicle manufacturing, yeah. you know, which is interesting as well. And yeah. uh, I mean, they stood up, you know, basically stood up a whole nother major corporation uh, in America with Kia and uh, yeah. Hyundai, you know. Uh, so that that's interesting. But I mean, I certainly think we need good good relationships over there. But I also I, I can understand, like, we've got we to gotta be careful that we don't support stuff that's not humane, right? Yeah, you know, And that's for sure. the biggest thing for, for me is, is, like... There's a lot of that in China. Yeah. <laughs> and the inhumane stuff that's going on in China, we can't be a part of that anymore. Um, we've got to figure out a better way. And I say that, you know, and I, I made a statement earlier today, this is the less... This is the, the first time that I've seen people with this little respect for one another as far as yeah. human respect for one another's humanity, you know, like, yeah. I don't, I think that's, that's a huge problem right now. People look at one another and they, they go, well, I like Biden. Well, I like Trump. Well, I hate you. Well, I hate you. Yeah. You know, and they don't even look at like anything else. That's just don't like past that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, 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 and not even that, you know, you look at the race issues and the, the riots and everything that's happened this year, you know, alongside of coronavirus, and people are just hateful to each other. It's just yeah. that's. I'd like to see a, a, a us get to a place as a society where we, where we <laughs> don't show our ass every time we <laughs> <laughs> encounter something difficult. You know. Yeah. 